my name is Julie Turney, and this is the HR Sound Off Podcast Show, the show created for HR and business professionals to discuss pertinent topics and trends as it relates to our professions. We're going to have amazing conversations with HR professionals from all over the world, get to learn their origin stories. How did they get into this profession? What do they love about being here? And how they want to set the record straight on that one misconception that really drives them crazy about our profession. Are you ready? I'm ready. Then let's sound off. Hi, everyone, and welcome to today's episode of HR Sound Off. Today, I am so excited. I'm always excited. I love doing this podcast, but I'm extremely excited today to welcome to the sound booth one of my nearest and dearest friends, Eric Kershaw, who I met, oh, it's almost two years, you know, Eric. Time flies so fast. Um, but we met through Hacking HR and I was moderating a panel discussion on networking as an introvert, extrovert, ambivert, along with Tracy Sponenberg. And Eric, Tracy, and myself just hit it off. And we've been known as the introvert triplet since then. <laughs> so I am so happy to welcome once again, Eric. Eric, how are you doing today, my friend? I'm doing so well, Julie. It's good to see you again. It's good to see you too. I know people, the audience can't see us, but um, we're actually, we actually have video going on. You will see a little bit of this on our, on my YouTube channel. Um, So you'll be able to see how Eric has gone all Santa Claus on me. (laughs) (laughs) It was only a matter of time before you brought that up. (laughs) I know, you know, I could have let that slip, right? It was supposed to be gone by Christmas. We're talking about, of course, a beard, a pandemic beard. beard that I've grown over the course of the past almost a year now. Yes. And uh, every time every time people check in, they say, oh, you still have it, huh? And it's, it's, <laughs> it's always like there's this tone in their voice like they're not certain it's the best idea I've ever had. <laughs> I'm not going to knock it. I think that during Christmas, you. kids must have really loved to see you walking down the street. It was it was wonderful. I got a couple of second glances and even in a couple of um, Zoom calls and uh, networking events that I hosted, there was one in particular, our holiday social for a group that I run, where I put on a Santa hat that I bought and pictures ended up all over LinkedIn. Oh my gosh, <laughs> that is hilarious. Well, so. on Santa, trust me, I think all you need now is a suit, the hat, you're good to go and kids will believe it. It's it's cold and snowy here in Chicago, and I can actually show you if you're interested oh, in seeing this. Yes, is, I'd love to see it. Wonderful. Well, this is this is my view of the South Loop here oh, in Chicago, where wow. I live. So we have the L tracks right here, where trains come through. You'll probably hear them on occasion. You have the Sears Tower or the Willis Tower peeking out from behind that building in the middle. Mm-hmm. Um, so nice, nice and cold and snowy. But as soon as it starts to warm up uh the beard will become more and more ridiculous so i'm at some point it's gonna have to go away (laughs) does your wife like it you know what i think i think she keeps that to herself i think (laughs) she um i think she's tolerating it because she knows that i get such a kick out of it so that's that's true love when the the one person in your life the one person in your life that would most want you to be rid of something yeah. tolerates it because she knows you enjoy it so yes, much. Yes, that, <laughs> that is love indeed. I admire her. Kudos to your wife for that. <laughs> so 
let's kick off our conversation. <laughs> it feels like we've already have. But can you just tell us a little bit about your origin story in terms of your your career and how you got into HR? Yeah, I'd be happy to. And I'll save you the version that, you know, you always hear about people interviewing for jobs and someone says, well, tell me a little bit about yourself. And then mm. the candidate goes on for 10 minutes. <laughs> Not what's being asked for. No. Same with the... Uh, <laughs> Same with podcast interviews. You it's know, true. I I uh, graduated college with a psychology major and kind of happened into HR here in Chicago when I moved here as an HR assistant. It was a temp job mm. that turned into a full time gig, and I spent 16 years working in that corporate HR um, capacity. Mm-hmm. You know, started as an HR assistant, worked my way up to the director of HR for the organization I was working with, and. Uh, a true generalist. We had separate payroll and benefits departments, you know, but I still I still collaborated with them and really got to learn the discipline of HR through this organization. Okay. And they did it really, really well. And mm-hmm. so I think that that positioned me well to, to appreciate how, how HR could be done. Mm-hmm. And then about five years ago, even with a, a great, you know, stable corporate job that I loved that really was was made for me in some senses, um, I decided it was then or never to determine if I could be self-employed. <laughs> and I transitioned full-time into a company that I had started kind of on the side just right. to, to play around with. And that's called Harmony Insights. So the past five years, I've been focused on um, helping companies and consultants leverage the DISC personality assessment. Right. I'm a big disc nerd. Mm-hmm. Um, I do quite a bit of public speaking at conferences and in various other events. And I run um, an HR networking group called HR Hot Seat yes. that keeps me very intimately connected with um, an HR background that in some ways I miss, you know, the yeah. practitioner side of things, but mm-hmm. allows me to help to, uh, to serve, you know, HR professionals in ways that um, I never would have been able to serve them mm-hmm. had I had I not considered what it would mean to build community around this profession that I yeah. was so passionate about. Yeah, you're so right. Thank you so much for taking us on that journey. So tell me what drew you to DISC? Because there are lots of assessments out there. What what in particular drew you to DISC? I'm just that big of a nerd, <laughs> Julie, that <laughs> what's ex- exciting in life? Personality <laughs> assessments. <laughs> That's how I decided to answer that question. Uh-huh. But you're right. There are so many out there, and there are um, a few very popular ones that rise to the surface. Myers-Briggs, people mm-hmm. are familiar with. Yes. Strengths Finder, which is now called Clifton Strengths mm-hmm. uh, Predictive Index. Yeah. I think for me it was, well, first of all, the, the company where I worked, the DISC was the one that they embraced. And right. so it was just a natural fit for me in my role um, when I had the opportunity to become the sort of the internal expert, I suppose, on on what we were already using. Um, but beyond that, then I came to really appreciate it because of the extent to which it just it didn't just help people understand their own strengths, right. but help them connect more meaningfully and effective, effectively with with their team members, mm-hmm. you know, with other stakeholders in the organization. Mm-hmm. And it was that connection piece, I think, that really drew me to it, that it wasn't just about me learning about me, but it was me learning about you. And then lastly, how we could connect more meaningfully. And as you already know, that's kind of a central theme in a lot of what I do. Yes, yes, yes. (laughs) I know this very well. (laughs) I do. It's true. You know, I've always had this 
I guess a balanced view about psychometrics. I really am a huge advocate of continuous learning. Um, so you're a disc nerd, I'm a Savile nerd. I actually, um, so I do Savile assessments and their psychometric tests. But I've always been curious about what real benefits an organization can get from doing these psychometric tests, not just during the recruitment process, which is a lot of times when people engage in the taking the tests, but there are other moments where this test actually does matter. Uh, what what are some of the ways that you go about helping your clients with disc assessments outside of recruitment? And that's a good question, actually, because I don't know if you're aware of this or not, but DISC wasn't designed for the recruitment process. Mm -hmm. So as it turns out, it's it's not a predictive tool like some others out there that will predict your performance in a role. Right. DISC wasn't designed for that. It's meant to assess, you know, your preferences, workplace preferences and tendencies. Mm -hmm. um, so companies are most often using it for the first time during the onboarding process. Right. If I bring you into my organization and can have you complete an assessment, it will allow me to position you well on the team, not only with your team members, but what environment you're going to do your best work in, mm -hmm. um, various other components early on in your employment, even if we don't really dig into the, the full details of right. your results. And then a little bit down the road, companies then will bring teams together. So after you've gotten your feet wet, you understand that it's a common language. And that's really what it is. It's not meant right. to put people in boxes or label folks. And, and a lot of people, rightfully so, I think it's skeptical about that. Yeah. Um, if I can bring you then together with a team, your team down the road and really talk about, OK, let's let's be very open and honest with each other, build trust um, around who we are what we need from one another, how we can connect more effectively. Um, if I'm in a leadership role, how I can lead more effectively. If I'm in sales, how I can sell more effectively. Um, become more influential right. through the relationships that I'm building. <laughs> um, now you start to see that ROI being stronger teams, greater trust, lower turnover, mm -hmm. greater levels of engagement. Um, some of the things that really keep teams together and and strengthened over time as opposed to, you know, withering for one reason or another. Yeah. So it's not a one and done. You're continuously working with the organization or the team to continue to develop and grow and enhance itself and see how they can be more innovative and creative together, right? I get nervous um, with the potential clients where I sense it's going to be one and done, okay. where it's a sort of a, a another L&D learning and development or HR check the box yeah. initiative. You know, we have two hours to fill in an offsite that we're having. Mm -hmm. I can still guarantee, you know, a, a rewarding learning experience for the employees, but I can almost guarantee when we walk away, there's some level of resentment because they know there isn't buy-in at the higher levels of leadership. Yeah. And when one and done turns into return and learn <laughs> language yeah. that I've started to use more often, mm -hmm. then you realize, okay, this is a company that's really committed to this as, um, as a common language, really weaving disc into the fabric of the culture and um, they're going to take it seriously in a way that their team members are going to appreciate. So those are the organizations that I enjoy learning most with, the ones that yeah. say, okay, now that we've done the workshop, what is the ongoing strategy that right. we need to consider so that this remains actionable and relevant for our team members? Yes.
that and I, I couldn't agree with you more I think that when it's a one and done it's a really sad situation because there's so much potential for you to help that team do so much more and become the best team it can be um, but when you're not given that opportunity to carry it forward then it does um, make it almost a, an exercise in futility um, yeah. because there's no way people could retain that um, to carry it forward or even have the the wherewithal or the bandwidth to do it. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that what you're doing is a really true, great thing, um, but true to your nature and who you are and about making meaningful connections. But in addition to all of this, so you have created uh, an amazing network, HR Hot Seat. Let's talk a little bit about that. What inspired you to create HR Hot Seat and what is HR Hot Seat? <laughs> now is where we have to carve out the afternoon. Now I just don't stop talking. <laughs> remember that 10 minute response we I talked remember, about earlier? I remember. Let's do this. Let's do this. <laughs> it's going to be the rest of the podcast. Carry on smartly. <laughs> I'll try to I'll try to keep it uh, briefer than I could. So, you know, I, I think the short story or the shorter version of it is, you know, when I was transitioning, well, we'll start in my corporate HR role. I, I made, I think, what is a very common mistake in that um, I felt like I didn't need to network. I didn't need to nurture a network because I was happily employed in a job that I loved. Mm -hmm. And being somewhat introverted myself, I didn't want to network. <laughs> There is nothing about it that appealed to me. Yeah. So I didn't. I drew the line in the sand and said, I'm happy where I am. This yeah. is where I'm going to stay. Okay. Well, the day came for me to transition out of that stable corporate HR job into my own business. And guess what Eric needed? A network. network. <laughs> <laughs> Go figure. Uh-huh. It was not there. And so I really had to figure out how do I make this work? Right. So I started spending quite a bit of time in various local HR associations and organizations and mm -hmm. became very active on committees and um, had some very positive networking experiences and some not so positive networking experiences where I felt that it was very transactional, very superficial. I would come home with a stack of business cards. Not only did I not know what to do with those business cards, I didn't really care to do anything with them. I hadn't come to know the people that I had spoken with in a way that, for me, enticed me to continue a relationship with them. Right. I felt like I was being sold to or I was putting myself in a position to sell to somebody else. And that's just sort of not how I'm wired. Not right. that there's anything bad with selling. Yeah. It's just the, the approach that I was experiencing wasn't me. Mm -hmm. And I said, well, I'm going to then create. <laughs> I'm going to create the community that I would want to be a part of as an introvert. Um, and it, it sort of appealed to different strengths of mine in other ways, even, even being introverted, I still very much, and you and I have talked about this, still very yeah. much appreciate meaningful connection with smaller groups of people. And, you know, we could go down that road if we wanted, but I like facilitating. I like helping groups of people or just individuals come to some sense of um, awareness about themselves or how they interact. And I thought, well, if I could bring eight or 10 HR folks together on a regular basis, it will keep me close to the HR discipline now that I have my own business. Mm -hmm. um, I could position myself as a disc nerd <laughs> to these people yeah. as a market, kind of as a marketing effort. You know, at the very least, it would give me a chance to just branch out a little bit and, and serve HR folks in ways that I wasn't currently doing. Mm -hmm. 
fast forward then, that was just over four years ago, probably closer to four and a half at this point. Um, now we have almost 3,000 members in wow. 10, 10 different licensed chapters around the country. Nice. So we took this traditional mastermind model, mm -hmm. you know, where we're coming together and solving common challenges, and we blew it up into a mastermind community where you're getting far more people than you would expect to see at a mastermind group. Yeah. And you're able to take advantage of those larger numbers, but then still break up into smaller concurrent um, discussion groups to retain that intimacy mm -hmm. of, a, of a, a true mastermind group. And right. I've told people it's not particularly innovative. You know, I didn't I didn't invent anything for this. Right. But people seem to really have taken well to it. <laughs> definitely, definitely. And you changed it up a little because I know it's usually face to face. But during COVID lockdown, um, you decided to take it virtual. Yes, that is true. I think a lot of organizations had to make a very important decision last March. Mm -hmm. Do we pivot to use a word which I feel like is overused sometimes, but we'll yeah. use it because it seems appropriate. Mm -hmm. You know, do we pivot to something that's a bit more virtual when we're used to being face to face and maintain what we've been doing? Or do we hit pause? And um, there are some organizations that that really intentionally chose to hit pause for a little bit. I know you spoke previously with Jennifer McClure from yes. Disrupt HR, and she spoke very openly mm -hmm. with you about how difficult a decision that was for her in the Disrupt HR community. It really has been. And, uh, you know, I think it's a, each organization has to answer that question for themselves. And, and we said, you know what, given our size, what we do, how we do it, we just felt like there was some potential to to transfer what we were doing face to face online mm -hmm. and give it a shot. And uh, all, all of our licensees have done that. And, you know, some have felt that they've been more successful than others, but it allowed us to, to remain present, continue to serve our audience in ways that we felt were doable. And um, I think I'm glad, I'm glad we made that decision as, a, as an organization because that was really important to me specifically. Yeah. What are some of the things that came out of taking it virtually? <laughs> um, Eric falling flat on his face. <laughs> <laughs> On a number of occasions, I facilitate our Chicago chapter, which is the one that I started with. Mm -hmm. um, and along the way, I just I knew that I was going to have to learn technology and I, I enjoy learning technology. But, you know, so we're, when you're when you are your own producer and you have dozens of people showing up for a, a Zoom uh, meeting, which is what we continue to use and you're trying, you're pushing the envelope in various ways yeah. to see what's possible. It doesn't always go as planned. No, no, it does not. <laughs> and if you if you talk to my members, you will uh, they'll they'll tell you very honestly. You know, describe this deer in the headlights look that they've seen me have on occasion when something just stopped working. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I would push a button, and it wouldn't do what I anticipated it doing. Um, I know that feeling very well. <laughs> and it's you know, as one does, you're sort of dancing with failure in the moment and it's live, you know, it's not recorded because we don't record anything. It's happening live. And you have a yeah. number of people that are waiting for Eric to do whatever's coming next. And Eric has no idea how to make that happen. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. I remember one time at the end of the event, I was so excited. I had um, researched a separate platform for us to 
end our event on for the open okay. networking. Okay. So I said, okay, we're going to go off of Zoom and we're going to go over here and this is the URL and I'm going to meet you over there. So I'm going to close Zoom down and we'll all continue networking over there. Uh -huh. I closed Zoom down. Everybody was, you know, shooed away and I had forgotten to give people the password. <laughs> so all of the people that were going to continue in this new platform, right? So it's not a huge thing yeah. ultimately, but you know, if you're like me and you have certain perfectionist tendencies, it's uh, can be a stuff bit like that really kind of eats at you. So you, yeah. you just have to, you have to run with it. You have to give yourself some grace. You have to understand that you're working with a community of people that really want what's best for you and, mm -hmm. and are very supportive. And uh, you're going to come together next month and try it again. <laughs> That's right. That's right. I must say, I've been in the hot seat. I've been to hot seat events. I've seen other people um, participate. And I must say, it's a very um, encouraging experience to have. Um, for me, I have found as an introvert that networking virtually works so much better for me because in face-to-face -face settings, I am the oddball in the room, I would either find the furthest seat to the back uh, in the corner, just keep to myself, stay off the radar, yeah. uh, hope no one comes my way, uh, um, or find someone that I know, I kind of stick to that person. But then when you realize the awkwardness of, okay, why is she clinging to me? I want to go somewhere else. And it's like, <laughs> you're yeah. kind of stuck in that awkward space. But when we were able to do things virtually um, and network virtually. It made things a lot easier. It's made it a lot easier for, for me to make meaningful connections. And I know that you found that for yourself as well. Yeah. I will tell you, it gets dangerous at the same time. And I, I facilitate some, some presentations. I give presentations on the topic of networking for introverts. Mm -hmm. And one of the stories that I tell is even to this day, you know, the first few minutes of any networking event, especially when they were face to face, I'm planning my escape route, right? If I have to leave at a moment's notice, how do I get out of here? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and what's dangerous now about being virtual is your escape is a leave button away. You know, you can click the button and completely disappear. Now, you know, you, you have to um, be careful about that because you don't want to just disappear. There's etiquette and etiquette when it comes to this stuff. But, you know, that being said, with HR Hot Seat, I really wanted to create an environment again that was going to be conducive to those to, to all personality styles, yeah. but to certainly people like myself who were looking for something very specific from our, our professional networking experiences. And I think that structured networking piece where networking isn't just, okay, you know, Eric and Julie, now you have 10 minutes to try to force conversation, but instead, you know, you're, you're going to be um, helping one another solve common challenges or, or here's a starting place at least, you know, begin here and see where the relationship goes, it just becomes a little bit more palatable. Yeah. I'm not I'm not saying that suddenly everybody loves networking because no. of HR hot seat, but the folks who show up uh, are gonna be taken care of in a way that uh, they don't feel necessarily taken care of or accommodated, whatever word you wanna use in some other environments. Yes, and you definitely feel safe. It's definitely a safe space. And I, I wanna thank you so much for creating that and allowing me to be a part of it. I am not in Chicago, from Chicago, but the fact that I've been able to benefit from it from a virtual perspective, I really do appreciate that. So thank you so much, Eric, for, for creating HR Hot Seat. But tell our beautiful audience, where can they find, um, if they want to be a part of HR Hot Seat, where can they go to find out more? 
Well, they can go to hrhotseat.com. That's a good starting point. And we have 10 different licensed chapters, as I said, around the country and opportunities for for folks to license additional chapters in their markets if they feel that, you know, that locally they could use a sort of a refreshing new professional networking environment for HR professionals. Um, so you can start at HR Hot Seat. And typically what I would say is, you know, join um, a local chapter if there is one nearby and it's as easy as going to that chapter page after you've created a profile and clicking join group. The magic of us being virtual is that you don't have to live anywhere near the existing chapters. Yeah. And I, I recommend if there isn't one in your neighborhood that you just start with the Chicago chapter. Mm -hmm. You'll see four in the Chicago area and one will just call, be called Chicago and that's the one that I facilitate. And we are truly an inclusive mastermind community. So we welcome anybody who's willing to take part in an HR focused problem solving conversation. Yeah. And, um, you know, once you join the Chicago chapter, you see details about upcoming events. They're once a month, they're entirely free. Um, and for the price of free, you get career coaching, you get book giveaways, you get structured networking, you get Sherman HRCI recertification credits. You get to hear from CHROs that I connect with along the way and bring in to offer their perspective on things. Mm -hmm. Our goal has always been to pack more value into our events than you would expect out of any professional networking event, especially a free one. Yeah. And uh, you've done a great job. Oh, I appreciate that. It's, it's important that I add, though, that it's, you know, it's such a big value of mine is collaboration over competition. And so, you know, as I describe what we're doing, it's never meant to come across as it's better or worse than anything else. Right. As people leave my events, I'm literally saying, now go see what Sherm is doing and go see what Disrupt HR and Hacking HR are doing. Yeah. Go to your local ATD event or the list goes on in terms of places where people can connect with one another. And we are just serving, you know, we're serving a similar audience, yeah. um, but doing that in different ways. Exactly. Exactly. And I think we all benefit from the different avenues or different networking opportunities that are given across all the different networks that are out there. I certainly appreciate everything that Enrique is achieving with um, Hacking HR and the fact that he has, you know, brought this thing from a vision to this huge um, art, almost organization like that he has created and what he's trying to achieve with that. I think a lot of us are very supportive of that and, and strive to, to help him. And that's the other good thing about a lot of the networks is that we're, we're helping each other in different ones so like um i i lead um, disrupt hr for barbados mm -hmm. i know enrique has been asking me for the longest time about leading hacking hr for barbados it's just so much to happen um but i i'm enjoying disrupt hr and even though we haven't been able to have face-to-face -face events we've done virtual events yeah and um they, even though they cannot take the same format as the face-to-face -face events we've found creative ways to host our events we're actually hosting our next panel discussion next month uh, and it's going to be on disruptive hr in a disruptive world and why that's important so i'm looking forward to that and it's a six panel discussion so 
first time we're doing something like that we're going to see how that goes but the point is we have all of these different opportunities and i think it's great that hr professionals get to know you know you can dip your hand in as many spaces as you feel is necessary until you find either what makes you what you're comfortable with and if it's more than one that's okay too because we learn you and we learn by exposure and the more you're exposed to the better it is for you and the more you help others when you bring other things to the table I love it. And I, I agree with everything that you're saying. And it, it seems like um, you're seeing more, I feel like you're seeing more HR community mm -hmm. blossom now. And I don't know if that's just coincidental as part of the pandemic, but, you know, I know Tina Marie Woolfield um, in Michigan started yes. HR Unite mm -hmm. pre-pandemic, mm -hmm. um, but she's really, um, she has groups sprouting up across the United States now. I just learned about a new one called HR for HR. Yes, HR for HR. Is, I think that started in Canada. Uh, the one that I have. know is in Canada. Yeah, um, it's possible. Um, I spoke with Tracy Hill, who was at the beginning of that just this past week anyway, and just mm -hmm. found it so fascinating what they're attempting to do. Mm -hmm. um, and you would you would see these different groups, especially during a pandemic and think, well, you know, everybody's sort of fighting for for membership and you know trying to trying to survive a pandemic and they're probably not playing nice in the sandbox yeah. right everyone's trying to like oh i'm figuring this out on my own exactly you know and then at the same time you learn that i can call jennifer mcclure up with any question i have about how she's making decisions and running disrupt hr and i can get enrique you know, um, on the phone or via email to talk about what he's doing with Hacking HR. And these people mm -hmm. are so Willing. forthcoming with information yeah. and so generous and so mm -hmm. thoughtful. And, mm -hmm. you know, sometimes you would expect a bulleted, inf a bulleted email from these people who are, are so busy and pulled yeah. in so many different directions. And I get such detail I know. from Jennifer when I ask her a question. Yeah. And I just, um, I'm still in awe of that. And yeah. so grateful then to be part of this larger community of HR professionals and those serving HR professionals who really want the best for this profession. Absolutely. And are willing to set aside some competitive, you know, um, inclinations that they may have along the way. You are so right. I get that. I get that too. And it really does help me to, you know, appreciate that I am in the right place now that I've decided to go solo and create my consultancy. And this is like year one of getting it done. Um, I am so appreciative that I can, in moments like this, talk to you, you know, talk to Tracy. Um, if I have questions about how I'm running my business or products and services I'm thinking about putting in place and I can talk to Jennifer about that or Enrique. So I, I truly do appreciate um, exactly what you're saying that, you know, you can go and get this feedback. Um, there are people who are readily there um, to support you because they want to see you succeed and thrive and grow. And I, I am very grateful for that. So I agree with you. Can I, this may be completely unorthodox, but can I ask you a question? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> I want to ask you a question. So one of the things that has been most eye-opening for me in, in transitioning from HR practitioner to a, a server of HR practitioners mm -hmm. is how I view the work that I do and how much of it I want to do. You know, I think previously I loved the work that I did when I was a W-2 employee, employed more traditionally. 
but I was very cognizant of when the end of the day was coming. Yeah. Right. Because I wanted there to be a transition and okay, I'm done doing this work and I, I need to transition into other parts of my life. Mm -hmm. And I have found that it's harder for me to do that now because I own the work in a different way. I love the work in a different way. Mm -hmm. I love the people that I serve in a different way. There's, mm -hmm. there's, there's so much to it. Yeah. Are you having a very similar experience where it's hard to turn it off and transition to other parts of who you are? I definitely am. I, I it's so true. Like, I find that now the day does not have a cutoff. And if if people want to call me um, to ask me a question or they have a problem or a situation and they just want to run something by me, um, that I'm happy to take that call now because I'm doing what I because I'm doing what I love. Damn it. I'm so passionate about what I do now. And the fact that I'm serving the, the I'm serving the people who are serving the people. And that matters to me because I want them to show up with their A game every time. And in the moments that they feel like they're not able to do that, the fact that they can pick up the phone or they can, you know, send me a message on, on LinkedIn and go, Julie, I need a session. I need five minutes of your time, 10 minutes of your time. Can you help me with this? Can you help me with that? And I'm like, sure. I have another call whenever, whenever I could do it this time or that time. But the point is I'm readily available because I want to hear what's happening with my, with my, my HR community. My they are my people. And yeah. I say this every time you are my people and I want to make sure that you know you're able to do what you want to do and be successful at it so yeah but yeah I'm actually struggling with that right now yeah which is sometimes I cut off at 11 o'clock sometimes I cut off right. at six o'clock sometimes I cut off at five o'clock what I haven't what I had made a commitment to myself on Eric was that I was going to have one day for myself, wellness day, whether that's a day that I stay in bed and I do absolutely nothing and the children just run ragged. <laughs> I go to the spa or I go, you know, run errands or something, but it's a day that I don't work. I'm detached from social media. And I decided that day for me was going to be Fridays. Okay. Ask me how many Fridays I've done. <laughs> right. <laughs> I know where this is going. <laughs> I think yeah. maybe last Friday was the the fri Friday just passed would have been the first that I've yeah. actually just not no no <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Well, I would I would <laughs> you're talking about you know committing to yourself and how that becomes difficult and and you could. I think move even beyond that and say your commitment to loved ones, mm -hmm. you know, and I, I feel like I've been more challenged by that, you know, yes. when my wife comes home, comes home from work and it's, it's dinner time, you know, if, if, if I'm not joining her, you know, if I'm not making myself present for her, yeah. it doesn't matter how much I love my work. I'm not going to be doing it for very long because oh. I'm going to be in trouble yes. with the boss. Yes. Oh, <laughs> yes. Actually, that's one thing I will say that I've strived to be very consistent with is that I, um, so my husband, he works very late, so, but I have made a conscious effort to wait until he gets home so that we have dinner together. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, I, you know, 
I'll make sure that the children are, are fed and the children are home with me all day because they're still homeschool they mm-hmm. they haven't gone back out to school and so they see me all day every day they could they come in the office and they look at me uh, we take moments <laughs> together if I decide I'm going to take 30 minutes here or there it is with them yeah. um, so I must say for that I'm really glad because it has helped me to get closer to them and to see them in a different light and for them to see me and what I really do and that it's it's very heavy work yeah so that for that I'm grateful for I can imagine for any of us whether or not we're self-employed we could be employed traditionally the fact now that we can do so much from home and from our home offices and you know those calls are coming in at all hours really regardless of how we're employed um it just that's it, it becomes so important to have those boundaries and yes. And be really intentional about committing to yourself and other people. And that's been a challenge for me that I think I'm still trying to work through. Yeah, I think it's one of those things that um, if you're, you have to make the commitment to yourself and say, okay, I'm going to do this and try to find, I'm trying to figure a way through it. But yes, your struggle, you're not, your struggle is not alone. Your struggle is not (laughs) in isolation. I am totally with you. And I'm sure that there are members of my audience that are also there with you as well. So tell me, Eric, what are you reading, watching, listening to right now that you think that other professionals would enjoy? Excellent question. And I love that you didn't feed these to me in advance. This this was a fun surprise. I had no idea what you were going to ask me next. (laughs) Um, I'm reading a book called um, The Obstacle is the Way by Ryan Holiday uh, because I'm preparing to moderate a panel on this very book, a panel discussion on this very book. We're recording this on uh, February 7th and it's coming up on February 25th. and I'm moderating a panel on it. And so it's kind of based in Stoic philosophy, but it's primarily talking about how sometimes the things that we gravitate away from or that we we pull ourselves away from are the things that we should be moving toward for various reasons. So if you find yourself repelled by something, you know, sit down and question that. Why is it? What is it about this thing that's concerning me? Is it the thing that I should do most because of that? Um, so I'm, I'm working my way through that book that, that has been fantastic so far. I'm also concurrently reading a book called getting to yes, Mm. which is about negotiation. Mm -hmm. Uh, not a strong suit of mine. (laughs) So not a strong uh, suit of most introverts. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm sure there's some extroverts who may have, have trouble with it as well, but, um, I could always use some more confidence when it comes to negotiation. So I'm, I'm reading that book Mm -hmm. in terms of watching um my wife and i are not big tv watchers but it's part of our routine where we sit down for dinner and we'll have something on and i won't bore you with the 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 background the number of shows that we've gotten through but we just recently finished the crown made our way through um the queen's gambit love that yes i did too binged ted lasso which is about a, a a soccer coach um, Jason Sudeikis is from Saturday Night Live, one of the best, like, most lighthearted, heartwarming shows we've seen in a while. Mm-hmm. And um, in the meantime, we're sort of dabbling in a few different places just to see what that next good show is going to be. And it yeah. seems like there's no shortage of them. No, there really isn't. <laughs> the Crown, I love. Absolutely amazing. Yeah. And it, for me, it was um, good to watch it, especially after the King's speech. Uh-huh. Um, but I, I'm all, I'm all for all things British anyway. So yeah, I do like a lot of their shows. I yeah. love Downton Abbey as well. So 
that's one I never got into, but suddenly we, we can't get enough of the British show. So I, yeah. um, we're really enjoying those and things of, so that's reading, watching, listening to, I mean, HR sound off. You, uh, you gotta have that on the list. You, gotta, you definitely have to, if you I don't, remember. something's wrong. <laughs> I remember taking down our Christmas tree a few weeks ago. Now we haven't had it up this long, but I was listening to your conversation with Jennifer McClure and just loved oh. that. So that, that was nice yeah. to have on in the background. Nice. And, um, of course the HR social hour, half hour yes. podcast with John and Wendy is a staple. So, yes. um, I don't let them know how often I listen to it, but I, I listen to quite a few of those episodes. Yes, so. I definitely listen to the HR Social Hour, and I love their yeah. trivia on Twitter as well. Yeah, that's one thing I've never taken part in. I think I'm, um, I'm not confident enough in my own ability to show up to a, a trivia of any sort. You know, I, I don't know if I would shine necessarily, so I think yeah. that means I've shied away from it. But mm -hmm. everyone keeps talking about it, so I'm going to have to be there at some yeah, point. Yeah, <laughs> it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. I think I've done it once or twice. For that yeah. very same reason, but I've done it once or twice and it has been fun. Yeah. So let me ask you this last yes. question. I'll take it. What is the biggest misconception about our profession as HR that really bothers you and you want to set the record straight on it right here, right now? <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Um, I feel like what I'm going to say is very cliche that, you know, we're not policy police. We're not what HR has been perceived of as being in the past, mm -hmm. that there are still some organizations that operate that, that way. Um, we're so much more and can be so much more. And actually now the way that's coming out, I feel like is degrading to organizations that choose to do HR in a specific way. Mm -hmm. There's a place for HR as policy. Mm -hmm. You know, there, there's a place for HR as setting standards and holding people to those standards. And I, I, I think that's important work. Yes. But that's not all HR can be. And that's not all HR does. Exactly. And I think when you you pull 10 different organizations of different sizes into the same space and you ask them, what does their HR function encompass? You're going to get 10 different responses. Mm -hmm. Some people are going to feel equipped and empowered. Some people are not at all. You know, some people are going to say HR is very much talent acquisition, talent development, benefits, payroll, et cetera. And then you're going to have organizations that say, uh, I'm in, I'm in talent acquisition. I have nothing to do with HR. Yeah. Right. And they sort of divorce themselves that from was, that, that mm -hmm. HR function. So it's, if anything, it's maybe similar to how relationships should proceed. You don't want to make assumptions about a person or about an organization or about any function within that organization based on your preconceived notions mm -hmm. um, and, the, and the biases that, that you may bring to the conversation. Just as you, Julie, are different than I am in a number of ways, you know, yet we can get along so well and I can come to respect you as an individual. Yeah. You know, the, the way the HR function um, operates in this organization is unique and different from the way it's going to operate in another organization. Mm -hmm. And in order to serve them best, I need to understand and appreciate that. Absolutely. That is very well said. So <laughs> and on the spot too, I didn't even rehearse it. I did great. That's why I ask the same five questions every time. <laughs> Tell us where we could find you on social media um social media so uh, a number of places but honestly i just encourage people to start with linkedin that is where i am my most active i know some people are big twitter fans and i'm still figuring my way through twitter but i think uh, for me it's eric kershot um and i'm sure the spelling will be somewhere in your materials yes it will be on linkedin and that's a great place to start everything else can come from from that place 
Awesome. I want to thank you so much for joining me today, Eric. I really appreciate it. Well, thank you for having me on, Julia. Finally made it to the sound move. (laughs) (laughs) It's been wonderful. Thank you. Thank you for joining us in the sound booth today. I hope that you found the information in this episode useful. You can find me on all social media platforms at I am Julie Turney. And you can check out HR Sound Off on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn. All episodes are also available on all major digital media platforms, such as Google Podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, you name it, we're there. Thanks to Anchor FM and Hire Tool for helping me put this content together for you. And we will see you again when we next sound off.